Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show, The Twist. Welcome to The Twist, where you come for news with a twist. Today, we're going to looky here at something that I'm going to point out to you that you're not going to find in the mainstream media. And it's a point that I've been trying to make for several months now about the European Union empire. So we're going to look first at a speech by Giever Hofstadt. In case you don't know who Giever Hofstadt is, he is a leading Europhile in the European Union, former prime minister of Belgium, an MEP who was the head of the ALDI group, uh, that is the liberals within the European Union. Now he's part of Renew Europe and he is in every major place within make the making of EU policy. We see him both heading the future on the Conference of Europe. He was part of Brexit, the negotiating team with Michel Barnier. He also is part of many reports within the European Union. So this is a leading Europhile. He is also a leading Federalist. And he is the man who coined the phrase Age of Empires. And that's what he's going to talk about here, is the Age of Empires. And you're going to see how this is going to relate to the Ukraine war. But I want to let you know that Verhofstadt coined this in 2009. Also, I'm going to point out, little name dropping here, that I've got a selfie with Mr. Verhofstadt. I got to meet him in Rome at a Spinelli event. Anyway, the Spinelli group is part of the Federalist group, and that's neither here nor there. I want you to listen to what Verhofstadt has to say. Europe is not fit for the world of tomorrow. Now, this is a statement that is always coming out of the mouth of Giver Hofstadt because he is the most pro-federalist of all the federalists, meaning he wants a powerful empire, an empire that's got all the attributes of an empire. And Verhofstadt has never seen a crisis he didn't like because it always gives him this platform. So let's see what else Mr. Verhofstadt has to say. The world of tomorrow is not a world of nation states, dear colleagues. The world of tomorrow is a world of empires. If you Did you hear that? The world of tomorrow is a world of empires. Now, again, he is the man who coined the phrase age of empires. There's actually a piece that he wrote that you can dig up somewhere on the internet called Age of Empires, and he coined this in 2009. But listen to what he says. The world of tomorrow is an age of empires. This is like out of Star Wars. This is a geopolitical lineup, which I refer to or is referred to as the multipolar world. It is a geopolitical lineup that literally is a throwback to the ancient world. Because in the ancient world, you had ancient Egypt, you had the Babylonian Empire, the Roman Empire, which the European Union is a revived Roman Empire. So let's see what Verhofstadt has to say. Want it or not, China is an empire, India is an empire, the US are an empire. Russia wants to be an empire. And in such a world, world of tomorrow, 
The world of tomorrow is not a world of nation states, dear colleagues. The world of tomorrow is a world of empires, if you want it or not. China is an empire, India is an empire, the US are an empire. Russia wants to be an empire. And it's such by the way, there is no love loss between Giverhofstadt and Vladimir Putin. There is no love loss between Verhofstadt and Russia. He is one of the banned members of the European Union from Russia. And the reason he is not naming Russia as an empire is because he is not going to give Vladimir Putin that satisfaction. But the truth of the matter is Russia is an empire. So don't listen to Verhofstadt here. This is just him blowing steam because he's got a real beef with Russia because he has his eyes on Ukraine. And just in case you think I'm over-exaggerating, let me show you another clip. This video is from 2014. It is literally the day before Russia went into Crimea. And here you're going to see Verhofstadt at the Maidan rally, which by the way, Verhofstadt is funded by Soros and so wasn't that rally. So we'll take a little listen to Verhofstadt in 2014 at a Maidan rally. Every week, a new delegation of the European Union and the European parties and the European Parliament shall come on this place until you have won your fight. My goodness. He sounds like he's the president of Europe there, like he's speaking on behalf of the European Union as if he is the EU emperor. I have today had many of... Excuse me, my bad. Somehow I went forward on that video, so now I'm backtracking. I have today had many of your people saying thank you to the European Union, but we don't deserve your gratitude. We have to thank you because you are defending European values and European principles and democracy. Yes, European values for a bigger empire, European values for more money, and Ukraine's product, which brings that, or will bring that. So Today, the European Union finally decides to put a decisive step and to start with sanctions against the regime in Ukraine. So visa, visa ban, freezing of assets, and that's only a beginning. I should say, finally, because we had to take the decisions already far longer weeks and weeks ago. But we have not only to do that, we have also with the European Union to prepare a positive package for the Ukrainian people, a financial package and also a visa-free regime for ordinary citizens in Ukraine. Sounds like it's today. We have won. We have won.
Wait, 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 I've not finished. Почекайте, це ще не все. You can't help but notice that Verhofstadt is really excited here. We, as the European Union, have only one obligation. Next I want to take a look at what happened at Davos and what was stated there by someone who, in my opinion, or a woman who is the most powerful woman in the world today. And I'll be explaining that when we look at what she had to say. The most important woman in the world today is Christine Lagarde, the president of the European Central Bank. Now, the ECB is and a pillar within the European Union's institutional structure. It is an EU institution. She heads that institution. And in heading the Euro, she is the most powerful woman in Europe today because when she achieves the aim of making the Euro the leading currency, which is where it is heading, and her decisions are heading. She will have made Europe the most powerful empire on the earth because it's also heading in that direction. And I know many of you are saying, but China, but I haven't gone into it. I went into it in another broadcast about all of the trade agreements and the association agreements of the European Union that actually extends its sphere. So. Lagarde is the most important, most powerful woman in the world today as far as determining the leading empire in this age of empires. And what she says backs up what I have just said, because I want you to hear out of her own mouth. And this whole forum that took place at Davos, this European Union in a disordered world was about that. It was making, they were the various panel participants who are leading members within the European Union, leading Europhiles, were making statements to that regard. But we're gonna look at what Lagarde herself had to say. And of course, I'm going to give you my two cents, my 10 cents in all of this. Um, the largest market in the history of humankind. The largest market in the history of humankind. Now, do you hear that in the history of humankind? Ancient Babylon, I talked about the ancient empires. Ancient Babylon was known for trade. It brought to the world the products of the world in ancient times through ancient means, of course, but that was in part what made ancient Babylonia so powerful. 
And he is saying that this market is greater than anything that has ever existed. Even the U.S. market, even China. Okay, let's keep going. You know, I often ask myself, um, this wonderful European idea, is it dawn, dust, or twilight? And what can we do about it? And what the Ukraine war has revealed to all of us, certainly in Europe, is that... Again, I've been talking about how the Ukraine war, to cause its original vision of a political union, that was the vision of the forefathers, the economic was a stepping stone to the political, how it has caused this to literally occur overnight. We did not have the right understanding of how large, how powerful, and how strong we are collectively. So to also- How strong and how powerful, listen to the word she uses, how powerful we are collectively. The second point I'd like to make, and that's in response to your question, Borger, is that as often in Europe, united in diversity and rising in adversity, we are in that situation of adversity and we need to flex our muscles. Flex our muscles. The European Union has muscles and it's not been punching up to its weight, but it's actually begun to punch up to its weight. But for a long time, it didn't punch up to its weight. It's now punching up. Okay, so let's listen to what Lagarde has to say. We do have collective incredible muscles collective and incredible muscles, recognizing how powerful the empire is already. I'll give you a few areas where we actually do that a bit and we can do more. Do more? Okay, let's see what she has to say. Sorry, I keep interrupting, can't help it. In competition policies, yes, we do take action. Yes, we can actually affect companies that are doing things outside Europe, but will have an impact on the European territories. Already doing that with the US tech companies, with their Digital Services Act, as well as their antitrust rules. So that's already been happening for the last five plus years. We can stop mergers that are taking place in other places if it is going to affect Europe. In trade, we represent a monumental market that- Monumental market. Notice that the ways that they can hit another country are through trade. She mentioned mergers, companies, and let's face it, in this modern world, economies of scale are everything and economic prosperity is everything in this multipolar age. So let's see what else she has to say. Can actually set terms and conditions in negotiations with others. In monetary policy, it so happens that those 19 countries soon to be joined by two new members, you were asking about new members, Croatia, I cross fingers, should soon be joining the club and Bulgaria is next online. So it... she's talking about the Euro who's now joined the Eurozone. It will soon be 21 countries in one single club by one single currency standards. Well, this is the second international currency 
in the world. It doesn't have the exorbitant privilege of the dollar, but it is the second international currency of the world. And when monetary policy decisions are made in Frankfurt, the rest of the world in financial circles actually pays attention. It wouldn't have happened if it had been 19, soon to be 20 and 21 different central banks. So when we put our teams together, when we treat our vulnerabilities and flex our muscles, of course we can act. Now, there are lots of areas where we are not doing as good a job as This woman knows the strength of a currency and what that means and the strength of a market and what that means. What that means for an empire. An empire that wants to be the leading empire, the most powerful empire. As we should, and you alluded to that, Mark. The service sector within the European Union, if only it was in line with the directive that has been approved, it would be formidably larger. There's a potential of about 390 billion euros that can be deployed and leveraged subsequently. When Europe decides to affect Bobo, Bobo, don't bark. I'm doing a show, Bobo. Sorry, there's people outside and Bobo's barking. As much as it should to defense expenditures under the rules of the NATO club. That's another significant add-on to GDP. And if it was, I'm not sure it's desirable, but economically we have to measure, if it was to return to the uh, Cold War times uh, defense spending, then that would be a significant add-on to that. Did you just hear what she said? She's talking about defense spending adding on to GDP. What this means is that as the European Union goes forward with its army, what that's going to do is increase GDP, make it an even stronger economic empire so that it can have this leverage throughout the world. That was pretty explosive, if you ask me. So when the muscles are flexed, Europe is an incredible force. So when the muscles are flexed, Europe is an incredible force. When the muscles are flexed. But we score against our own team occasionally. And by just slowing down the process, by looking at inter instead of European our national interests, eventually we put a little break on our efforts. So given the vulnerabilities we have, given the war at our doorstep that we have to really uh, take a stand and participate in, in our own way, obviously those muscles, I hope, will continue to be flexed. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh... Muscles to be flexed. Okay. She makes a statement now at the end, and we're going to fast forward to her final statement where she recaps the European Union Empire's strengths. Uh, Madame Lagarde. Yes, Borger, I think it's uh, really time for Europe to play team, to flex muscles, and I can think of five areas where we can be a formidable power. I've mentioned the purchasing power. I would mention the trading power. We are the top trading partner of 80 countries in the world. Now, that is power. Wow. 
I've been saying that on my broadcast, by the way. I've been talking about the 84 or 80 that are solidified. There's a few in the works. Trade packs. And that there's more trade packs that the European Union has than any other nation. The U.S. only has about 20. And the U.S. ranks as stupidest empire, stupidest leadership. I don't even think our State Department has probably listened to this, but let's keep going. I want to listen to our gal here. This is our gal. This is the European Union gal. So let's see what she has to say. The Euro gal. We are a formidable technology power. Why is Airbus winning the race? Because we've put our strength, our innovation capacity together. And I would add that we are a pension power. You know, we always talk about the the financial power of Japan when it uses its pension funds. We have incredible pension resources and capacity that could be deployed on a much broader basis and if we played as a team. And I would finally add that we have to be that moral power that puts values ahead of some of the gains and the savings that we have focused too much here and there in the Moral power. That, prior to, that prioritizes greed. Well, I hope you really liked that and found that informative. I found it just shocking that Christine Lagarde would be so articulate in voicing it and, and having, having them numbered that she's got five areas, obviously very well thought out of where the European Union can flex its muscles punch up to its weight in the world and actually aim for taking the leading slot. So there's more going on folks than just guns being fired in Ukraine. There's a lot of things behind the scenes. And hopefully today I was able to shed light on some of these things of what's now happening within this geopolitical framework, this multipolar age of empires and how what you have is empires vying for position. You have the U.S. trying to remain as this unipolar soul empire, but it's making every mistake possibly known to man, possibly since the history, as Lagarde would say about the economy and the history of the world. Well, that's actually an exaggeration. I don't know that for a fact. But I do know that the United States is making so many mistakes. And one of the mistakes that they're making is that the State Department and their research people and think tanks are not paying attention to what's really being stated in Europe. And that's why you're here on The Twist. And anyway, folks, hope you found this informative. Stay tuned for the next broadcast where again, you will get world news with a twist. Tune in next time for more from Don Provder and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.